Welcome to the Future of Advertising, where this show has been designed to meet our most adventurous explorers in media and marketing and all that orbits our world. We're going to have great conversations that spark curiosity and that lead listeners to what's next. I'm Luke Lambert, and this is Red Talks. Good afternoon, good morning, good night, depending on where you're at, I suppose. This is Red Talks. And today I have with me a very special guest to help us talk a little bit more about transformation. I have Mahera Tapia Kansab. Do I have that right? I do have that right. Great. Uh, a senior manager of agency partnerships at LinkedIn. Mahera has nearly 20 years of experience in the digital marketing and media industry. Currently, she is a senior agency lead at LinkedIn and is the head of Omnicom US partnerships. For the past five years, she's been working with the Omnicom C-suite and executive leadership team crafting strategic partnership frameworks and building out Omnicom holding company level strategies across all of Omnicom's disciplines. This means media, creative, PR, etc. She was drawn to LinkedIn's bold mission for social good and to the opportunity to be part of an agency team growing at lightning speed. Previously, she was the media agency lead at Google for six years, where she collaborated with senior agency leaders to translate their customer needs into Google slash YouTube solutions at scale. Her work there focused on brokering and activating against multi-million dollar upfront deals to position agency clients competitively at the forefront of digital video. And before that, she was agency side, managing teams, conducting communications planning strategies for P&G. She also sold in the first ever digital concept to P&G's gain and cheer clients and encouraged them to embrace a digital mindset. Also led TV activation for Kellogg's brands across multiple channels and platforms. She holds an integrated marketing certificate from the University of Chicago and attended Illinois Wesleyan University. While Manhattan is now home, Mahara resides in Battery Park City with her husband and three kids, two boys, June, eight years old, and Ilias, six years, and her daughter, Nuria, who is two. She grew up in Chicago and is a proud Bulls and Cubbies fan. Please don't get her started on New York City versus Chicago-style pizza, which we will do anyway, uh, because you won't win the battle. She loves taking in the giggles of her kids, snowboarding as a family. Yes, she is a, quote, cool mom, and maintaining her position of being a hoop shot master. Big day today. This is a big conversation. It's really important. In fact, Chrissy Hansen, our CEO, stopped me in the hallway and said, define transformation. And I told her to tune in. So Chrissy, if you are listening, prepare yourself. Um, but this is, this is, like I said, this is, this is really important to us. And I know that you have also been, you know, leaning into transformation and action to reframe how people perceive the platform. So can you share with us maybe a bit of background on this endeavor? Or sure. do you want to talk about pizza first? Um, maybe you start with the pizza. So if anybody is hungry out there, they actually know where our stance is. Yeah. Um, so even though I am now, um, in Manhattan is home for me. It's been here 10 years. Um, I have grown up, born and raised in Chicago. So one thing that Luke and I were talking about before the recording started is, you know, just don't, you can talk about other things, but don't mess with where my stance is and New York versus Chicago deep dish pizza, because you'll never win. Deep dish will always win. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I am a born and raised Chicago native uh, myself from the South Side. My very first job was making pizza uh, at the ripe old age of 14 in a kitchen. Don't know if that's legal or not, but it was a lot of fun <laughs> and I still know how to make it. And I built a pizza oven. That all being said, most of the pizza wow. that I make today is New York style pizza. Yeah. Oof. Uh, and every time I'm in this 
wonderful city, which we are today, I stop at Joe's and get okay. some pizza. At All least right. one dinner right. uh, a week is Joe's. Um, so maybe that's tonight's dinner. <laughs> um, but let's go back to that endeavor. Yeah. How did we get here? How did yeah. You get here? So, I mean, so even just to kind of start, it's really great to be here in the OMD studio today. I've been exclusively dedicated to the Omnicom partnership for years now. So it's exciting to be here and be on the Red Talks podcast. You know, post-pandemic, we have really all found ourselves on this transformation journey, you know, changing the way that we work, the way we design products, and even the way that we inspire people. And as an organization, LinkedIn is also on this transformational journey. When LinkedIn launched back in 2003, that very idea of, you know, like sharing your employment history, like putting your resume out there was like a very new phenomenon to people. And in some ways, it almost like disloyal, right? You're like, you're putting your resume out there and like people, everyone can see it. But then slowly, like millions of people started doing exactly that. And LinkedIn went on to be this like primary tool, you know, that people utilize and has made such an impact for so many people's careers. And we have 9 million members now. When I started five years ago, I remember we had a cake cutting ceremony for when we had just crossed 500 million and now we're at 900 million members. So now that the platform community is built, you know, our product team is really dedicated on making sure that LinkedIn is like that go-to platform for meaningful connections and conversation. And people, like, you know, expect LinkedIn to be this place to like network and come to like find a job. But LinkedIn as a marketing platform may still be surprising for people, right? So our product has transformed. The way people use our, our platform today has like really expanded and it's really this place where business and like thought leaders come to have these discussions and even discourse. Sometimes they don't agree. And that actually makes for some of the most interesting posts is when someone posts something and then someone that you respect actually has a very different point of view than you thought. Like you see all that happening on the platform. Um, you know, Fast Company just recently did this article on LinkedIn called LinkedIn's Quietly Enduring Importance. And one thing that stood out to me in that was that most people don't spend time thinking about LinkedIn. And that's actually a compliment. So it's almost, you know, this way that throughout history, we've been this like low key, low drama, you know, platform that doesn't feel the need to like have to compete and do things just to, you know, meet the, you know, meet, beat the Joneses. But we kind of do things that are right for us. And lately I've really enjoyed um, explaining things by via metaphor. So I think my metaphor for this is that, LinkedIn isn't that friend that you have to like pull down that's dancing on the tables during last call trying to get attention, but rather is more like that friend that's like right there next to you by your side, like rolling with the punches. This is amazing. <laughs> so I'm going to give you a, a quick story of my experience with LinkedIn because I, I don't think I'll forget it. Yes, I think originally I treated it as a quiet placement for my job history, my, a quiet version of my resume that you kind of don't want sort of don't want your employer to know you're doing. Yeah. Um, and then I just completely embraced it. And I got, you know, people to endorse me, right? And connected with people and started finding not just opportunities for employment, but opportunities to learn from other people. Um, and then one year after I started Omnicom, I was at the Global Publisher Conference at Google. Um, and I came off of that stage and I think I had like 60 plus LinkedIn connection invites <laughs> and I deleted LinkedIn right then and there. So I deleted it because I felt overwhelmed by the yeah. amount of connections that were trying to be made at once and they felt very yeah. impersonal. 
And so I gave it a bit of breathing room. About a month later, I went back on the platform, of course, recreated my profile. And right now, if you looked me up, you'd see that I only work at OMD. And that's my entire history. Um, but I have really started to notice over the years since then, that was like 2016. In the years since then, not only has the platform grown, but the way in which people are using the platform has significantly changed, right? People are not necessarily just looking mm-hmm. um, for either sales tactics of how you reach someone at a certain type of company uh, or how you find a new job, but there's real community happening. Yeah. People are using the platform in a very different way. So there's got to be new insights that are coming out of that new usage and those new, new usage rates or types of content people are engaging with or creating. Um, but what have you learned about that new behavior? Yeah, I think to be able to answer the new ways, it's important to first touch on something that hasn't changed of LinkedIn. And that's actually our strong set of culture and values. So post-pandemic, right, every company was like forced to really rethink how they're going to transform what the new circumstances provided. You know, like, how are we going to work? Is it going to be remote? Is it going to be hybrid? You know, are we going to have proof of vaccination requirements for people to enter or not? Right. So these are all questions that companies had to face and what we call like the leading to the great reshuffle as we're trying to think of their org structure. At the same time, employees were also having to revalue and think of what matters most to them. Like, where do they work? How often do they come to the office to work? So in case in the case of LinkedIn, our CEO, Ryan Rosansky, really turned back to our culture and values to help us answer this. And the where we work is actually a really interesting one. It, it helps exemplify one of my favorite values of LinkedIn, which is we trust and we care about each other. And Jeff Wiener, a former, our former CEO, used to always say that trust equals consistency over time. And I, I really believe that. It's made up of millions of micro moments, right? It's operating from this state of curiosity, which is exactly as your listeners on Red Talks do. Another thing that we've also noticed, user behavior on the platform has changed. So, you know, the pandemic, of course, was like a highly unusual time for all of us. And I would, I would actually feel a bit off center when people would ask me, you know, about my work and what stance is, because, you know, it used to be the, all the conversation then. Because LinkedIn was so uniquely positioned as all the other companies were like really going through turmoil, we were in this really unique place in which we're actually seeing an uptick in our member engagement in the activity in skill development as people were get, coming on the platform more than ever. It's like network to kind of get that new job, right? So it led to this whole work-life balance, which I honestly, I really dislike that phrase. I, I much prefer I like work, work-life like integration because to me, there's really no so subjective what balance is. It's like that word perfect. I really dislike Using that. Um, so it's more of like this work-life integration, say. So, and and the, the evolving definition of this like word professional, right? Like before it would have been very unacceptable to hear like a, a kid or a baby crying in the back if you like had your meeting going on. But you know, sometimes when I forget to lock the door after 3 p.m., you know, like <laughs> when I have a meeting, you know, in like come storming like my two boys, like who are super, super excited and overzealous to share with me about like their their school days. And then like my two year old little pigtail daughter is like close behind them. Right. So like, yes, while it is, you know, disruptive and embarrassing, I'm not fearing for my job security, you know, in that stance, because it's just how things have really evolved, right? And and we see that in the context of the audiences and, and our members and how they actually post. They take a hard stance on corporate topics, 
But then you also see that they also kind of share pictures of their daughters, you know, while they're talking about important issues and with empowering messages for maybe International Women's Day and sharing how they are trying to combat different gender stereotypes, right? So it still has that professional tone to it because, I mean, your boss is on the platform. You're, you're going to make sure that the way that you're kind of showing up on the platform still has a professional tone. But what we've been seeing in the pandemic is as these things are blurring together, our members are even starting to feel more comfortable with showing some of that intersection on the platform to show them their true selves on the platform as well. I will never forget seeing a comment when one day, um, probably 2012, I'm going to put it in that era, of someone saying to a post that was very much in the vein of what you've just laid out, um, the comment was, this isn't Facebook. Mm. And I thought at the time, what a rude thing to say, mm -hmm. first and foremost, mm. um, to a stranger or a somewhat connection, but also... I get it. I, I kind of understood where that person was coming from. They wanted to have like that strictly professional yeah. experience on LinkedIn. Um, but now to your point, like all of us are experiencing a very different work-life balance and yeah. use the word integrated life, which is one thing that I love. Um, I think there are ways of integrating your work into your life and maybe some of it is the culture. And that's probably the easiest thing. That's like a first baby step into saying, if our culture is rooted in trust, how do I make sure yeah. that like that culture of trust becomes a big part of my life? Definitely. How do I make sure it, it's not, it doesn't have to be media that integrates. It can just be some little things uh, slowly. And so you've, you've started to see that bleed between those lines. Yeah. So if that has changed so significantly, people are now being more human on the platform. They are more, I don't want to say authentic selves because that's maybe a mm. overused term, yeah. but their whole selves are, are certainly showing up on the platform mm -hmm. uh, and still in a professional manner. Yes. That means that that consumer group is a consumer group, mm -hmm. right? These are people that we can we can talk to. So moving away from that B2B sales aspect of someone trying to maybe sell widgets to a company and instead maybe sell anvils to a coyote. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so B2B to BSC, what's yeah. that move look like? You know, as we just spoke about, like, so all of these changes are about who the LinkedIn user is also leads to advertiser impact, to your point, right? So it's important to first recognize that endemically our platform houses some of the fastest growing B2B tech company that are formed at this intersection of cloud computing, data analytics, machine learning that are really reinventing our world. That's, that's our core. That's what we have. But these aren't the companies, you know, selling French fries and sneakers. Like they are B2B in nature, such as OMD's own SAP client, for example, right? They're, they're, they have a really profound impact on the way that we work. And in fact, LinkedIn actually just supported the very first ever B2B Can Lion last year. It's a really proud you know, achievement for us. That said, many marketers agree that we're drawing an unnecessary line between B2B and B2C objectives. And that's because on LinkedIn, you can reach these highly engaged professionals with purchasing power and influence. Actually, about three years ago, um, so Omnicom's own CEO of digital, Jonathan Nelson, advised me. He's like, stop doing that, my heart. Like, stop doing yourself a disservice by saying that you're only B2B because even CEOs are buying cars on the weekend, you know? And that's something that I really kept in mind. And in this spirit of dreaming big, I evoked this new approach. So knowing that Omnicom houses the most auto brands within a holding company, I designed and implemented these different marketing experiments 
with customers in these untapped sectors to help them illustrate like the value of the LinkedIn platform and, and try to, you know, encourage greater long-term partnership. So I've been trilling this new approach for that solves for these client problems called, you know, for luxury auto specifically within Omnicom. And this auto experiment was really based on this foundation of a willingness to try new things and really learn together just with no other obligation. So we identified that OMD's client Infinity was actually the perfect candidate since they were going through a transformation themselves. They were evolving their brand perception from being a value brand to a valuable brand and supporting their QX60 model. Their director of marketing, Shelly Pratt, was actually featured in this Forbes article. She's like saying that in the past, they've been so afraid of failure that they didn't want to try new things. And she said, you know, I need to make sure that I stay open, especially as a leader. And that sense of openness matched this perfect moment of when LinkedIn's agency team was sharing this sense of openness as well and this willingness to like experiment and learning from our headwinds and our failures together. So that's how like the auto experiment was born. I love the experiment. I love that quote from value to value bull. Yeah. And we talked about newness, trying new things and the fear yeah. of trying new things. The process involved was like working, started with working with the Enter Omnicom's enterprise partnerships team to ensure that I was like working with the right people for the auto experiment. And I was working side by side with my LinkedIn account team. So Sarah Chenoweth and Kevin Leedley and then Griffin Calkins and Matthew Smith from the OMD team and the rest of the OMD team were like really pivotal in making sure that that went through. Um, so the process started by first leading this orchestration of these custom discovery calls to make sure we're actually understanding like why why, what had been the reason that we hadn't been partnering before in the past? Like, what were the reasons or the percept, like the perceptions of why they felt that LinkedIn wasn't right for them and helping them understand that it was beyond just B2B. And actually, when we uncovered some of this through the discussions, that's what it was. It was just more of like this lack of relevance. They never thought that LinkedIn could be this platform for them to advertise cars. Um, so once we identified that, and for context, prior to the auto experiment, the only historical spend on the platform was this one-time, very, very small test back in 2019. And now fast forward to that campaign results that they proved that not only it was Infinity Audience on our platform, but they surpassed you know, CPM and engagement rates for luxury auto benchmarks. And the custom sentiment analysis showed that they had like an increased amount of sentiment and positive things. And we actually had formulated this to be just like a typical like third grade, you know, science experiment. We made a hypothesis and everything like, are the luxury automotive audiences on LinkedIn? And is Infinity able to capture share of mind of some of those competitors, right? So the agency and client feedback was super positive. They said that they now have like an appetite to try new things with LinkedIn together and they very much have since that. Like we've quadrupled our partnership together, and we've actually helped them change that brand perception from value to valuable so successfully for the QX60 that they've now actually expanded it to, to other models as well. Um, so now that relevance has been cracked open for them to see that, okay, LinkedIn is not only just for B2B, but for B2C as well. And since we have the validation from third parties, such as Nielsen, you know, who's still trusted in the, in the marketplace, we've been able to do and open up new areas together. So Infinity is actually one of the first auto brands to test out LinkedIn's thought leadership ads beta, which is a way to like amplify Shelly Pratt's voice on the platform and, you know, any other executives to just help boost, you know, their, their thoughts and their recognition. And now there's also this trust and value exchange 
And now like Michael Cope, who's over at Infinity, is helping to actually shape the LinkedIn measurement roadmap. So there's that bit of trust that even goes beyond just the campaign. So by identifying like and resonating that LinkedIn has this more affluent professional um, who's also a buyer of Infinity has like really opened up a lot for of things for, for a partnership. Are there any new products or maybe services that LinkedIn has on the horizon that are going to continue to reshape the usage of the platform? Yeah, you know, tying back to some of the LinkedIn value statements, and one we didn't get a chance to talk to is dream big, get things done, and have fun. And dream big really starts with this massive responsibility that we've embraced on behalf of our members. And we know that we have to constantly innovate and like push new big ideas while also making sure that we're you know delivering to our members every day. And LinkedIn feels, based on data, that the next era of work will be all about skills, not pedigree. And I think that really ties well to like for Red Talks of like what's new, what's what's next. Um, and I just think that would be very, that's really interesting for what the direction I think that as a, you know, as a, as a corporation and that we're leading. Think about it. Like many skills that, you know, you acquire, maybe something that you learn from volunteer work or maybe from like a startup that no one ever heard of because it went south before you got enough funding or maybe even from being a parent from having to like multitask and listen and being patient. And did I say being patient? Um, you know, it would help to remove like these different shortcuts of like trying to get a job. So this comes from recognizing that talent is evenly distributed, but opportunity is not. And I, it's so important. I'm going to say it again, like talent is evenly distributed, but opportunity is not. So shifting away from all these antiquated metrics, such as pedigree, where you went to school, who you know, you know, it's going to help getting the right people in the right roles doing their best work is actually going to lift up the entire labor market, right? It's going to make this much more equitable labor market and creating a better opportunity for everybody in the global workforce. Do you perceive maybe it's LinkedIn, maybe just a greater marketing landscape or media landscape? I know your role goes beyond media. Mm -hmm. um, We've seen a blurring of lines. Our transformation has, has been initially, how do we get more digital expertise across the board, right? Not just in the activation sector of our business, but also in the planning and the strategy. I mean, look at the role I'm in, right? I come out of a programmatic practice. Um, and so our approach to new and transformation has continued to also transform. And I'm thinking the platform itself is almost new again, mm -hmm. right? And so one of my most consistent new experiences beyond seeing things that feel very personalized for me as a, as a person and not just me as a CIO at OMD, um, is that the creation of content has changed as well. Mm -hmm. And the sorts of things that people are publishing about has significantly changed as well. And yeah. I don't know if that's pandemic driven. I don't know if it's product driven or platform driven, but yeah. you know, there's this potential of the platform that maybe didn't exist before. How do you foresee maybe the the creator community really evolving with the platform or helping drive the evolution of the platform. Um, because I have, I have colleagues that are fantastic at creating content that is very bespoke for the platform. Yeah. And I know their world outside of work and I go, that's very them, right? That is who they are showing up in a very professional way with the new content. So they're creating, but they're not creators. How and when and why uh, has the platform evolved to support that sort of content? Who contributes to the platform, in essence, is the content 
that is also being consumed. So in t- context of like community, we say that as a member, you're a creator. So that could take many different forms. It could be a trusted voice such as like, think like Bill Gates talking about like the future of AI or, next guest, yeah. or, <laughs> or, or, you know, you talking about how you still think that New York pizza for some God knows reason is actually better than Chicago pizza or me, you know, sharing my experience about a panel with Omnicom DEI leaders, right? So those are like, it's a, it takes a myriad of, of different shapes. And then we also have like these knowledge seekers. So these are also the people that come to the platform to engage with their learning and their offerings. And the people are maybe trying to like upskill, you know, different uh, characteristics or traits of things that they, that they feel like they want to enhance. So it takes a lot of different forms. Where do you see maybe distinction then? Because that's what I'm thinking in my mm. brain right now, right? Is how are you re- redefining or adding to the definition of creator? Because we used to use the term influencer a lot, which has expanded because of the massive footprint of the creator marketplace and the way we yeah. create content yeah. with creators. Tell me more. Like, what is this new definition? And this can be like, I personally believe this. I think that we are just creating this platform like we have can have this canvas and a platform for others to be able to contribute and talk through and share their viewpoints and their ideas i don't think that we're trying to make you know from a creator or influencer standpoint uh push it one way or another or try to influence we want it to like build that sense of natural sense of community for people to be able to communicate hear from and react to people that they have found within their network that are their trusted people and their trusted um, confidants and thought leaders that they get their their perspectives from. We've talked about a lot of big topics, and I think <laughs> you guys have, have gone through real transformation. Yeah. And I started by saying we owe Chrissy a definition of transformation. Yeah. What is your definition of transformation? Transformation it can take so many different forms, right? It, it can be at an individual level. It can be at a corporate level. It can be at a team level. I think it's a matter of, and and I, even just upon like reflection, I think a lot of it is taking a, a, a stance of like the place that you are and then a place that you want to get to and taking note of all the micro moments to help you get there. Because I think that for transformation isn't just A to B. There's A and then there's like 0. 0.1, 0. 0.2, 0. 0.3, B, right? There's so many parts and components that make up a transformation experience. So I feel like from a transformation standpoint, it's taking a step back of seeing where you are, where you want to get to, and then taking in all those in-between moments that you it took you to get to that end point. That is a very good definition. Um, when I hear that, I actually think about transformation as metamorphosis. Yeah. Right. A big, yeah. a big thing that requires also time uh, and a real breakdown of where you're currently at and understanding of it. Yeah. Thank you for this conversation. You guys have gone through an amazing transformation, metamorphosis. Uh, I look forward to what you're going to do next. Uh, I can't wait to continue to contribute as a a creator to the platform and and see what everyone else uh, also contributes. So thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for letting me be here today. Transformation for OMD continues to be something that changes our perspective of who we are as a brand agency inside of a holding company um, continues to evolve and how we work with our own teams across uh, Omnicom Media Group continues to evolve. 
when I think about our next journey of transformation, it's probably going to include what's next gen technology look like, what's next gen capability of measurement and metrics look like, uh, and what is our uh, ultimate end goal look like without missing those in-between beats that are so important to recognize and then eventually take that retrospective and, and look back. So thank you for listening to OMD Red Talks. Uh, our curious listeners, we hope you stay curious and we hope we can continue to bring you things that drive insight that deliver on that curiosity journey.